1: Hi there, welcome to the first ever The Morning Show podcast. I'm Larry Emder.
2: Hi, I'm Kylie Gillies. Uh, We're all busy. Uh, We understand there may be, you know, just the odd occasion you miss the show when it's on the telly.
1: (laughs) So we've pulled together the best guests and interviews from the week, so you can listen as you walk or drive or... Ignore
2: the kids. Always ignore the kids. Uh, A big episode to kick things off, Laz. We're going to catch up with some of our favourites. We've got Casey Donovan and Joel Creasy, FE2.
1: Yeah, plus an 80s throwback to The Wonder Years with actor Josh Saviano.
2: Uh, Remember Rebecca Black? Uh, Friday, Friday, she's going to join us. Let's sing it. To talk about uh, 10 years. Friday, Friday, Friday. You know the one. one. She's better
1: than that. (laughs) And are our kids addicted to video games? Well, our digital literacy expert reveals the red flags to watch out for.
2: But first, it's been a big week, hasn't it, for the Sussexes, with Meghan and Harry announcing they are expecting baby number two and sitting down with Oprah, royal commentator Angela Mollard dishes the dirt. March 8, here in Australia, the proverbial royal tea is set to be spilled when a pregnant Duchess of Sussex and Prince Harry sit down with Oprah Winfrey. And considering the royal family's track record with tell-alls, should we be worried it was
1: 94 when Charles confessed his infidelity 95 Diana rewrote history with her out of the palace expose
2: and it was only two years ago when Prince Andrew found himself in very hot water on international television so what can we expect from the Sussexes Oh,
1: why are you talking like that oh, because it's Let's get our teeth into this. <laughs> uh, Royal commentator Angela Mullov. Hey, morning. Hey. Uh, last year on this very couch, we predicted a sit-down interview with Oprah. I'm sure we were taking the Mickey at the time, but here we are. Are we shocked?
3: Not shocked at all. Not shocked that she's doing it with Oprah. I always thought she'd do it with an American talk show host. What I'm shocked by is the timing. We had the um, the newspaper announcement that she'd won her court case. We then, of course, had the baby news, and then f- just a day later, we hear that she's doing this. It all sounds to be set up. She knew she was. She's really going on the attack with this. This is not a defensive gameplay, but it'd be very interesting to see what she talks about.
2: And what do we know about the relationship between Oprah and the Sussexes? We just
3: saw the wedding
2: she attended their yes, wedding. Yes, but
3: interestingly, Kylie, that only met once before that wedding. So she had, uh, Oprah had made a, um, a got in contact with Meghan, wanted to do an interview with her. They met up in London. She then became their friend, went to the wedding, but they'd only met once at that stage. Then, of course, we saw Oprah um, meeting with Doria Raglan in, in California. But then, obviously, since then, Harry and Meghan have had a relationship on a television basis with her. But I think behind the scenes, that relationship's growing. If you were Meghan, you would want Oprah on your side. Yeah, right, day. for sure. Mm.
1: The last royal to leave the palace and do a tell-all interview was Diana, of course. Mm. Um, that was the tsunami of headlines around the mm. world, mm. bombshells every which way you looked. Will we expect the same from this?
3: Look, I think Meghan will think it through more. She's obviously older than Diana was when she did that interview, but we know from Meghan, she's very emotional in in interviews. If you think Mm. about the Tom Bradbury in Africa conversation, you know, she said a lot of things that we didn't expect from a royal. Now, of course, she's not a royal, effectively. She's, I mean, she is, she's got one foot in that camp, Mm. but she's really more celebrity now. I think we'll see a lot of emotional speak. I think we'll see a lot of, you know, wellness gobbledygook, but I think she may also (laughs) give away a lot more about the royal family than than perhaps um, the the royal family would like.
2: And Oprah's good friend, Gail King, Mm. has given us a little bit of an insight about what we could expect. Let's have a look at this
4: from Gail. Yeah, this is a big deal. I know Oprah's been working on the questions all weekend long. I'm told that nothing is off limits. Nothing. Nothing is off limits. She can ask anything she wants. A lot of people wanted this interview. I'm so glad that we got Uh, it. I'm very curious. Mm.
3: Super interesting. Now, Oprah, back in 2017, said that when she does an interview, the very first thing she does is ask the person who she's interviewing, what is your intention with this interview? That's the one question I'd love to know. What are Meghan and Harry trying to uh, achieve with this? And I think it's really interesting that Meghan's taking the top spot. So she's going to sit down in this 90 minute interview first. So Oprah will just interview her and then Harry will come and sit alongside her and he'll be part of the interview, which suggests to me that she very much thinks that she has top spot, that she is right. leading the relationship, she's setting the agenda, this is mm-hmm. her territory. I think it speaks volumes, that very, that that sort of construct itself. In 100%. 100%
1: yeah. 110%. <laughs> very interesting to hear Gail say that Oprah's been working on the questions all weekend. Did you know people do that? <laughs>
3: Not oh, you, Larry. <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
1: Now, how's the UK reacting to this sudden influx of Sussex News? Talk us through some of the headlines.
3: Oh, look, well, the UK, this is, this is you know, daggers at dawn sort of thing. I love this um, yes, headline okay. from the Daily Star. Because, of course, they're pointing out the hypocrisy that Meghan and Harry actually have left the royal family because they don't want attention. And then they're now inviting it. And then this is the second day follow-up to this that the publicity-shy couple to tell, you know, this, yes, really. I love these headlines. We've also heard from them. The, They've the, they, like, they, their faces. I, well, this is the thing. Thing, because they're saying they don't want attention these two, but then they're doing the complete opposite. It
1: also did it's come funny. under the title, Pollen Bomb Blitz, yeah. or something like that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Look, I, the Britain will go all out war here, because they're yeah. very much choosing America. But of course, when we turn to America, the Markles are back on board talking as well. We've heard yeah. Samantha Markle saying you know, that Thomas should give a chat um, with to Oprah, and then of course we've had Thomas Markle talking about the fact he wants to see his grandchildren, where obviously I'm not going to show that, because of course he's selling this material now. He's so angry with his daughter and so mu- what you know wants to make money out of her that instead of just you know giving a quote he's actually recording it himself and selling so it off So that on.
1: interview there
3: He's, he records it and sells it sells on it, and yeah. then obviously you know presumably he sells it so it can be video and newspaper stories as well so effectively he's cashing in on that relationship Oh, there's got to be a loophole we're going to find a loophole <laughs> <laughs> i think the loophole he needs the gash <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: we talk about the timing and, you, and mm. you touched on this what do we think about the timing i mean she you know,
3: just wins the case. Yes. Pr- protect my
2: privacy. That was that was only last
3: week. Absolutely, Kylie. And someone that was thinking a bit more about it, I think, would sit back and let it digest. You know, if you think about it, that case was there was a plea to have it adjourned because mm. of presumably the pregnancy. I wonder. You know, she talks about not wanting stress and not wanting, you know, she's had a miscarriage. I think this is a very stressful thing to do. This is going to, um, we've already seen, it's going to invite masses of headlines, mm. depending on what she says to Oprah. I think the timing, just let it settle a bit. You know, she she is in the um, early stages, will possibly a bit further on with her pregnancy than we, than we um, understand. But look, it's just... She very much wants to get out there, as I said, and set the agenda. I think, and to and to and to mark their arrival. I mean, it's a it's a um, a year next month that they, of course, moved out of the royal family, and that's mm. going to be reviewed uh, in a month as to you know whether they kept their patronages <laughs> and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: the palace will be watching the interview very closely, and I, I think that will determine a lot. With how they're accepted into the royal family moving forward but we
3: always know don't we these mm. things never go well panorama didn't never. go well charles's Dimbledy interview didn't go well and of course the prince andrew was a car crash yeah. so the, the blowback on this is going to be huge and
1: bridgerton horrible <laughs> uh, good to see you and thank, thank, yeah, thank you thank you <laughs> Monday will mark one of the uh, one of Australia's biggest milestones since the coronavirus pandemic started as we commence the rollout of COVID vaccinations.
2: For all the latest details infectious disease control expert Professor Mary Louise McClaws from the University of New South Wales joins us live. Uh, Welcome to the show Professor. Monday's the big day. Remind us who will be first in line and how are we going to know when it's our turn? Mm.
5: Uh, Good morning Kylie Um, and Larry Yes, Monday is a great day. Um, The first to be in line are those people that are at greatest risk of acquiring COVID through their uh, work that closely with travelers coming in. So anybody that works in the quarantine program, uh, right from uh, being exposed to travelers as they arrive to then uh, frontline healthcare care workers, uh, those that will be in emergency, intensive care, etc., cetera, uh, aged care um, uh, residents, and of course, aged care uh, staff. So that's about 680,000 people in phase 1A. Then there will be, after they have received their vaccine uh, and they'll be about 21 days apart from the first dose and the second dose, then 1B uh, will get their dose. Uh, And that will be anybody from 70 years and over. Uh, And of course, uh, if they're unwell, uh, their GP uh, will decide on the benefit of them receiving the vaccine.
1: Okay now the AstraZeneca vaccine has now been approved in Australia as well as the Pfizer jab. Will we get a choice? How how does it work out? How do we Mm. know which one we're going to get and how do they decide? Uh,
5: No if you're in phase 1a or 1b you're going to be given Pfizer Uh, and of course it's easy to get because it'll be provided to you during your workplace or that in your workplace, in a hospital, in um, residential aged care facilities, in quarantine facilities, etc. So you don't have to worry about turning up to the right place at the right time. Okay. Uh, they will tell you. Uh, but for those of us who were going to get AstraZeneca, that rollout will happen a little later. And that'll be through GP respiratory clinics or GPs that put their hand up. So they're calling now for expressions of interest of who those GPs okay.
2: will be. Okay, and uh, fair enough if you're a frontline worker, your work is going to tell you when to get the vaccination, but what if you're just a, I don't know, a 65 year old man who, who doesn't work in the frontline, how will you know when it's your turn?
5: So uh, the government will tell the population about, and they'll put it up on the web, about which pharmacy will be offering it, which GPs will be offering it. And of course, you can ring up your GP to find out if they'll be offering it as well. And then once you get it, it will be linked to your Medicare uh, number so that you'll never inadvertently get too many shots. So the next time you go for your, your second shot, they'll be able to look you up and see that when and what date uh, you received uh, your f- your first shot.
1: Professor, plenty of questions like this around, is it possible to contract COVID between the first and second jab?
5: Absolutely. Um, now, your immune uh, response starts building up at about seven, 10 days. However, you are at risk of COVID. So you have to be careful. You have to follow all of the instructions, particularly if there's any um, uh, infection circulating in the community. So don't let your guard down because we don't want you to get infected, particularly uh, if you might get infected, that virus might learn how to
2: get around uh, low levels of antibodies. So be careful. Can we get both the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine at the same time, or, or should we wait?
5: There's no scientific evidence that it shouldn't happen at the same time, but for precautions, uh, both Pfizer and AstraZeneca and our government are saying wait 14 days on either side. So you can get your flu vaccine 14 days before uh, the COVID or 14 days after. Now, children 16 years and younger, or 15 years and younger, aren't going to get vaccinated. So they, But they need to get the flu vaccine because it's the children that drive the flu. So if they can get the flu vaccine early, as early as possible, then those of us that may have to wait for the flu vaccine after our first dose for 14 days will be protected if the kids get their vaccine soon
1: yeah so the Pfizer vaccine requires special syringes to extract all six doses from a vial the logistics around this are incredible now there's this global shortage of those syringes how's
5: that going to affect things It's very important to have the right syringe because when you draw up the amount, and it's a tiny amount, it's like, you know, 0.3 mils, you don't want to waste any of that mil. So you have to have the right syringe. And that's important. And these uh, uh, issues, uh, these challenges are just as important as the challenge to getting the vaccine. Uh, So I imagine that our government has already thought about that and have the syringes and the needles ready. So don't be surprised when they uh, get the needle and the syringe and they put it into the vial and then they draw it out and it's sitting there waiting, they can't change that needle because it has a tiny amount of this very precious vaccine, all 0.3 mils has to go into you. So you do need the right needle and the right syringe. And I haven't heard of any problems of supply in Australia yet.
2: Okay, that is very good news. Uh, thank you so much, Professor Mary Louise McLaws for us there. Thank you.
1: We appreciate your time.
2: Well, we know all too well that entertainment and the arts took a huge hit last year due to COVID-19, with a lot of very talented people losing lots and lots of work. That's why we're more than happy to get behind uh, any upcoming shows, especially when they're featuring our favourites.
1: Especially, just like our buddy Casey Donovan, the powerhouse singer, is off to a great start to the year, living her best life in a new city and plenty of gigs on the calendar. Plus, we hear there could be some new music coming too. Let's go straight to the source. Casey Donovan joins us live from home in Melbourne. Hey Casey. Hi. How are you? We awesome. are going okay now of course all weekend. You know everyone around Australia's been thinking of our Victorian family and friends. Uh, how the past few days in the lockdown been lockdown number 3 been for you? Lockdown number
6: 3. Look this this round, it's been a little bit tougher uh, than the last two, I think because it's such a short stint and it happened so quickly. Um, although us Victorians, we're very resilient, um, although I'm a new Victorian, so, you know, but um, we're very resilient and, yeah, fingers crossed for the safety of everyone, we've just got to do our bit, stay at home and, you know, keep our hands clean and our masks on.
2: Yep, you say us Victorians, you've made the permanent move from, to, to Melbourne, from Sydney. <laughs> You're, you're, you're adopting your one. new home. You're enjoying the change of scenery.
6: I love it down here. It's beautiful. And I think once Victoria opens up wholeheartedly, it's going to be absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah. How long have you been living there now?
6: I've been living here for. Goodness gracious, uh, about six months now. Six so months it's and, saying,
1: and saying we Victorians <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, hey, your personal life always always makes a lot of headlines and we don't like to pry, although it is part of our job. We're all friends here. According to your Insta, uh, you had a really special Valentine's Day yesterday, yeah?
6: Oh, did, it was lovely. Um, you know, not much we could do in Victoria here, but um, oh, there we are, <laughs> having a coffee and going for a bike ride, um, oh, yeah of course she didn't she forgot her mask was on it's a new thing (laughs) 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 no it was really lovely and it's you know although we celebrate most days it was nice to kind of pinpoint a day and and celebrate and my my buttocks are very sore from that tiny seat as you can see um
2: today so that's great yeah and uh, that uh, helmet hair like it's sort of like the the helmet wasn't loving your hair there Casey no
6: no it wasn't I was actually uh, you know just just trial up trial and error with helmets but um, (laughs) no it was a great day
2: (laughs) now earlier this year you made the tough decision to postpone your city recital hall show now you've announced a rescheduled date March 19 is it still (laughs) looking okay it's still looking good look
6: it is looking good for the moment. Uh, it's, you know, it's all trial and error and seeing what happens. Now me being a Victorian, it's, you know, about getting back up to Sydney and hopefully by March everything will be open. So keep an eye, grab your tickets for the 19th of March. I cannot wait to get back on stage, especially in Sydney, my old, my old hometown. So, um, yeah, I'm looking very much forward to that. So grab your tickets. It's going to be a night of, of music, storytelling and, of course, you know, a great... Uh, musical director Daniel Edmonds and it's yeah I'm very much looking forward to getting back on stage.
1: Oh and your fans can't wait this isn't like it's not a straight up and down concert right you you got some nice stories you're weaving through uh, throughout some of your shows as well as you got songs from artists like Adele Joni Mitchell you got some Beyonce in there as well
6: I do. It's a mixed bag. Um, I just I love music, and I love all music has to offer. So that's why I love to to share it across all of the genres. A bit of Beyonce, a bit of Adele, a bit of Eva Cassidy. I think a little bit of Mama Cass even. So great. it's a night of nights. I've got a great band behind me, and we've been working tirelessly since the gig was postponed in Feb to now being in March. So um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. But all. Yeah, keep an eye on my, my socials
1: and my sorry, my cats are just about to brawl. Um, oh, <laughs> it's about
6: working about to from what? home thing. Yeah,
2: about to what? <laughs> They're about to
7: fight. Yeah. Oh, brawl. oh, brawl! I thought you said yeah, brawl. I sorry, a ball. No. No. crying there cats. They're in the limb balls.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're also coming up for Mardi Gras. The city Gay and Lesbian Choir. You're performing with mm-hmm. them.
6: Mm-hmm. Yes, I am at the Plaza, Sunset Plaza on the 5th of March um, with the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Choir. So I'm coming up as a special guest to do a few few tunes and celebrate Mardi Gras. Last year I think was the last gig I did before I went into full lockdown. So it's nice to kind of do full circle and, and be back on stage
1: oh yeah hey we love rumors and we love getting behind good rumors there is a good some rumors going around you're going to be releasing some new original music soon Uh, are you ready to fan these flames for us right now what's it going to sound like
6: sure am look covid's been very very good to me i've been able to write sit down and, and kind of map out a new i guess A new me, as as a lot of Australians are finding that, you know, COVID has been good to us in a way where we've been able to stop, reassess, and reset. So um, you know, new music will fingers crossed hopefully be coming out. And yeah, now that I'm I'm kind of in love, who knows? Oh (laughs) She's watching, that's really embarrassing. So anyway. Oh, so you
2: Oh hang on.
1: This is the
6: real the real deal? Oh look, you know, it's great
1: beautiful. And oh. it's great
6: for music. Everything in life is about music writing.
1: Hey, Casey, do, what do we know about your partner? What can we know?
6: <laughs> Look at you. I can tell you that on the 19th of March, I will be at the City Recital Hall.
1: Oh, just throw uh. us a little I'm in a bone there and then you, oh, you, just saw you, you throw guys. a little thing out for us to chew on and then you quickly grab it back like that.
6: <laughs> I know. I've been doing this job for a while now. But, um, right. look, it's going great. I'm loving Victoria. I'm excited to get back on stage up in Sydney and also down in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Look, Wish me luck.
1: I've always said if someone loves you with helmet hair, they love you truly. <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> great to see you so happy. Good stuff.
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Casey. If get details about Casey Donovan's upcoming show at the Sydney Sydney City Recital Hall, uh, head to themorningshow.com.au. They look great.
1: Well, at the start of the pandemic, the Ruby Princess became the source of one of Australia's highest profile COVID-19 outbreaks. It was a dramatic time for the international cruising industry, which 12 months later is finally, finally starting to bounce back slowly. Yeah, you
2: know, while ships remain largely and stand still down under, some countries are hosting trips within their own waters. And last week, one US-based cruise liner reported that their 180-day around-the-world voyage, set for 2023, sold out in less than 24 hours. It begs the question, when will we be ready to set sail? The managing editor of Travel and Cruise Weekly, Bruce Piper, joins us live. Hi, G'day, Bruce. G'day. Um, Let's talk normal times. In normal times, the, this industry contributes more than $5 billion a year. Yes, absolutely. To the Australian economy. I mean, this has been a devastating period.
9: Yeah, absolutely. And look, of course, the whole industry is focused on a restart. Obviously, in a completely safe way, but yes, you know there are ports, um, providors, you know beverage suppliers, tour operators, travel agents, all still in limbo because this, um, you know, the standstill of the industry.
1: So we understand talks are underway with health
9: officials to plan a return to the seas. What time frame are we looking at, and what will it look like, Bruce? Um, time frame, well. There are there's very limited domestic cruising already happening in South Australia. There's a company called Coral Princess doing an itinerary at the moment. They've also successfully operated uh, on the Barrier Reef, so so in a very limited way it is happening now. But uh, we're still very constrained uh, by the same sort of government order that is stopping international travel. At the moment, that expires officially on the 17th of March. Mm. Um, you know, I think. I don't think there's expectations that it wouldn't be extended again. But as the vaccine rolls out, you know, it's very much in the hands of government, who, of course, are being very cautious and uh, want to make sure that it can be done safely. But the cruise industry is working very hard to guarantee that it can be done yeah, safely. Sure.
2: So what do, what's the demand like? We saw this one in the US. Yep. A, 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 a cruise in 2023 sold out in Less than twenty-four, 24 hours. hours. What, are yeah. we, what are you sensing the demand is here uh, in Australia? The, the
9: demand, the, the pent-up demand is huge, and part of that is because, like everything, you know, we just want to get out. Mm. Uh, we want to escape, and uh, if anyone's like me, you want to have something to look forward to. Sure. Um, and that's what's dry. A lot of the demand is being driven by uh, cruise lines have been very good at uh, anticipating that demand and making it very very easy to book and with you know that that cruise, you you can book a, a fantastic cruise in 2023 and maybe only pay $500 down now, so, so there's no risk at all. You can lock it in, um, and maybe you only have to pay the balance, you know, a couple of months before you depart. Um, and so that's so there's huge amount of um, particularly people booking bucket list. There's a, a really great uh, Antarctic itinerary at the moment on offer. It's just $11,000 ex Australia. Um, just. Well, that includes flights for okay, a 16-day for for right. or 10-day cruise to Antarctica. It's right. an absolute bargain. Is that, so um,
2: you're saying $11,000. What would something like that normally be? Um, oh,
9: 25 dollars yeah, oh really? yeah it, and, and, and okay. it's really easy to book and uh, with that particular product uh, you get um, the ability, they, they, you, have, you can get your money back in 14 days if you cancel for any reason. Mm. And so this is the sort of thing that is driving the demand. People who perhaps, of course they're cautious about travelling now, but maybe next year they're turning 60, 65, mm. 50, they've got a big birthday or a big celebration. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is really very risk-free at the moment. That's sort of the buckets. And that's what's driving yeah. Yeah, absolutely the
1: Ruby yeah. Princess saga—horrible and tragic on so many different levels. Yeah. It's left us all worried about cruising and understand. we all well, understand it, right? Yeah. So, what sort of health protocols? What sort of measures will have to be taken
9: to, to know that when we check in and check yeah. on and walk across the gangway, that we're safe? So, look. Obviously, the, the industry has been completely decimated by this pandemic, and so they are doing everything possible to assure, just like really the rest of the economy. You know, we. we have learnt from uh, you know the various outbreaks how to contain it. Um, the, the industry is in Australia is absolutely focused on getting a domestic cruising going. Um, you know maybe out of Sydney for a few days, or or perhaps you know interstate if the borders stay open mm-hmm. for a little while. Um, and it would be with reduced occupancy, 100% testing of all crew, all passengers, probably testing during the cruise, social distancing. Um, i know that you know you're very concerned about the buffet disappearing but uh, that would be you know perhaps around with um the crew would be serving you mm. um all sorts of protocol, physical distancing, uh, if there were short excursions, the way that um, there have been quite successful restarts in as you mentioned in Singapore uh, and in Europe um, and there they're even keeping the if you go off the ship you stay in a bubble and so you 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 don't wander off and you know do your own thing because of the risk you know they contain everything um, to make sure it's safe.
2: So ironically Bruce this could end up being one of the safer ways to travel Absolutely. Because it is so self-contained. You know
9: we, we talk about travel bubbles with other countries Actually, cruising—you um, know—it it is a completely safe way to travel because, uh, you know, all of the of protocols, those protocols, the protocols, replaced. and
2: they've got control. Absolutely. Of Look, the, the, on the, there, the tricky right.
9: thing for the for the industry is that um, you've got to bring the ships back to Australia, and mm. at the moment they're banned from Australian waters.
2: So that's because they're licensed in other countries. in, in other countries. So and they're absolutely. deemed yeah.
9: to be a correct. Filipino and and boat. also, um, so the ones that have been allowed to restart. Um, they're Australian flagged and they're limited, they're quite small ships and so, again, the government, um, you know, they, the government does want to facilitate it, but um, you know, clearly they, the, the perception problem. is you don't want to have, you know, 6,000 people on a blah, blah, blah. It won't be like that, um, and even on a great big ship, you know, it might only be half full um, to maintain the, the safety wow. of everyone. Well, we do have board. a
1: love affair with cruising, that's for sure, and plenty of people can't wait for this to happen again, so Absolutely. we appreciate your time, Bruce. Good to see you. No worries. You. Thank you, Bruce. Great right, to be here.
2: It's hard to remember a time before YouTube, isn't it? But did you know the video streaming site just turned a sweet 16 earlier this week? We well, thought it was
1: much older than that, didn't oh. we? And while some of the platform's biggest users are now making a lucrative living from the site, we still think uh, the best thing about is those viral videos, right? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday.
2: Rebecca Black <laughs> joins us from her home in LA. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, how are Hi. you guys? Look at everything that's happened. It's been 10 years since Friday and you are still only 23 years of age. Are you, are you tired?
7: Sometimes I feel like I am a lot older than 23, Um, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. (laughs) Wow, that's great. Now,
1: as we mentioned in the intro, despite the song becoming like a huge hit in terms of views, you did receive a whole bunch of negative feedback and some criticism. It must have been hard for you because, you you know, you were young. You're, You're a young girl dealing with a whole lot.
7: 13. Yeah, I mean, I think that the internet has proved to be quite the experience for all of us. Um, and and now, I mean, while I think that we've come pretty far, I, it's something that kids everywhere are going viral nowadays and, and going viral over the craziest things. And I, I can't even imagine being in their position now. So yeah, I mean, it was really intense when I was a kid to have some really just insane things be said without much thought, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. So, 10th anniversary,
2: as we said, of Friday. You've re-released this new track. What made you want to do that?
7: It's a a lot of different things. I mean, I've grown so much in terms of just any person who goes from 13 to 23 is gonna be a completely new person and I've always pursued music and it's, it's become really the love of my life. And for this, I... Wanted to do something that not necessarily was reclaiming it for myself, but just would be done in the way that I thought would be really fun and interesting and crazy. And I was able to get some of my favorite people, favorite artists and closest friends involved, like Dorian Electra and Big Frida. And um, it, it was just such a fun project and it's just something that I felt like I had to do for myself and also for the people who have rooted for that song for, mm. you know, the past 10 years.
1: Um, we we all watched in awe as uh, Miley Cyrus tried to kick Hannah Montana. Uh, is that what you tried to do? <laughs> your, lick, your look is completely different now. How hard is it for you to shake the 13-year-old girl image?
7: Well, for a long time I tried to shake it and what I found myself in was just that the more that I tried to shake it purposefully and the more that I tried to run away from it, the faster it chased me. But really, I mean, I dye my hair because I like my hair like this. I wear clothes that I like and I had no idea what I was doing at 13 like anybody else was. So it's just been a lot of experimenting and trying and um, I'm not really concerned anymore with trying to redefine myself like that i'm just really allowing myself to do and be you know the person who she wants to be and express herself as as any we all all are as
2: as any 23 year old woman would and and does do uh rebecca you also released a new single earlier this year it was titled girlfriend um Mm -hmm. are we going to see any more new music coming from you
7: yeah i've been working really hard on, you know, a bigger project and that'll be coming this year. And so Girlfriend is the first song off of that. And I'm just really so stoked to have this music out and to be able to finally, I feel like, let people in on a side of myself that I've been cultivating for a while. And, um, yeah, it's really awesome to see people enjoy the music. And hopefully there'll be a day where we all get to, you know, dance in a club to it together.
1: Yeah, you right. know? Now, looking back uh, 10 years or so, would you have done anything differently?
7: It's a hard question. Uh, I really just tried my best to be myself and try to be nice and kind to myself, which I think we could all use a, a lot more of. Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, I like to think that things happen for a reason. And whether or not that's true, you know, it is the experiences I've been given. And I'm just trying to do with that what I can. Yeah. Great Rebecca, answer. we're just out of time.
2: But just quickly, in today's crowded TikTok space, do you think if Friday <laughs> was released now, the original version, it would have had any cut through or not? It's su- It's such a crowded place out
7: there. Don't ask me, ask the 13 year olds on TikTok. <laughs> they know better than anyone else.
2: <laughs> okay, we'll do that. Thank All you, right. Rebecca. Great to talk
4: to you. You too. Bye, guys. Thanks, Rebecca.
1: Thanks, uh, Rebecca Black's Friday remix is available to stream online right now. Well, for the past 12 months, we've been forced to talk to one of our favourite guests via Zoom, which is kind of safer. Uh, So when we found out Joel Creasy was going to be in the hood, we just had to get him here on the couch.
2: Yeah, when we say forced to talk to, we do mean forced. The timing couldn't be better because he's got a lot going on, hasn't he? Not only is the comic now working five days a week, can you imagine? I know. On Drive Time Radio at Nova, he's also announced a brand new comedy show and is the proud ambassador for Random Acts of Kindness Day. Mm. Hello Joel Creasy. Hello.
10: Hello mate. Happy Random Acts of uh, Kindness Hello. Day. Oh, is,
2: is it actually today? It's today, yes.
10: So what are you doing for each other? What random acts of kindness are you doing for one another?
1: I, I randomly act kindly to Kyle, every
2: day. <laughs> And I'm promising to leave him at 11.31
10: today oh, that, that's as very to kind. kind.
2: Uh, we will we'll get to that, but firstly congratulations on the radio show. It's going gangbusters. Oh, thank,
10: thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's going great and having a good time. Tim and Kate are absolute terrors and um, yes, yeah, so uh, I fit in well. We love those guys. You've come from
1: life as a comedian and, have, and you've got all this free time where yeah. every now and again you'd go out late at night, stand on a stage and
10: tell and some know, jokes. Now,
1: yeah. you, what every parent wants for their child, you've got a real job.
10: I have to work five days a week. Admittedly, it's three hours uh, each day, but I am exhausted. I don't know how you guys do it. I normally do like 20 minutes of stand up a night. What's so that? exhausted sitting there talking to your mates. I mean, those two are exhausting, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and there are a lot of behind-the-scenes shenanigans that go on as well. So um, yeah, it's fun. It's very naughty, um, and I and that's I fit in, I fit in well. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Anything unexpected, Joel? That you're really loving about it? That you thought, wow, I never, I never sort of imagined this would be like this.
10: It's kind of it's it's kind of similar in stand-up, and you get that instant sort of instant feedback yeah. um, on the text line and 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 callers, and uh, so I really enjoy that and just having a laugh each day. I mean, we don't tackle any serious issues, not that I ever have anywhere in my career. Uh, uh, yeah. um, so I, re- I really, I do I enjoy that aspect, because yes. no one's coming to me for hard-hitting political <laughs> commentary and for good reason. Can they
2: heckle on, on text like they can in the stand-up? Yes, they
10: can. We do have some um, text hecklers that we, Kate almost read out some of their numbers the other day. I was like, no, you can't do that, you can't do
1: that. Now, you found time to create a brand new show as well. We, now, we yes. can't say the name, right? All we can oh, call yeah. it is Messy B. Yeah, Messy
10: B. Mm. Uh, we yeah.
1: promised, it's your most outrageous show yet because all the ones before this have been pretty outrageous
10: well yeah you know you know me I'm a real wallflower um, yeah it's it's been postponed about 15,000 times but I'm back on the road uh, messy B was originally about my life but now it's gonna be about 2020 because I think we could admit 2020 was a real messy B yeah. <laughs> how, how do you go
2: about writing the material and and testing it out when you're having all these shows post you I-
10: well, I don't. I a lot of comics do. A lot of comics do, like trial shows. But because mine are all... Um, I always explain them as like dinner party sort of anecdotes. When mm. something crazy happens to you that day, and then you go out for dinner with your mates that night, and you go, you'll never no. believe what happened to me that day. My shows are kind of like that, but just... I'm the only one talking. And there are about eight dinner party stories in a row. And
2: people are paying to hear the stories. Yeah, Yeah.
10: it's kind of like therapy that I get paid for. It's a really good deal I have with the audience. Hey, Let's talk about this
1: random acts of kindness day. It's today. What's it about? What do we need to know?
10: Well, the gorgeous people at Amazon Australia decided, because Melbourne, I mean, I was in Melbourne for the whole lockdown. It was really grim. It was really tough. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to choose some people that needed some random acts of kindness and also needed me on their doorstep. (laughs) And uh, I went around. They were nominated by Friends and family. Uh, some people had lost their jobs. Had, had been homeschooling for nine months. Mm-hmm. And they'd gone through some really hard times. Um, and then I rocked up on their doorstep with whatever they needed. So oh, what oh, a treat!
1: And yet yeah. you come to us empty-handed.
10: I know. <laughs> didn't see, didn't see you. Pushing any boxes <laughs> no, I, a, the I popped on a sandy pan <laughs> for you. I thought you'd enjoy that, Larry. Uh,
2: a little a uh, yeah. kind of look. Uh, any suggestions of random... Random acts of kinds that we could be doing or people at home could be doing today.
10: well I think you can just reach out and check in on a mate and see how they're going and give them a laugh Give them a call give them a text send them a funny meme um, Or send them a YouTube clip of one of my stand-up uh, <laughs> or, or a ticket to a Joel <laughs> Or Get them a ticket to one of my shoes eat hey, for a friend or an enemy
2: yeah. I don't mind, I'll take <laughs> You'll take all paying gifts.
10: I know honestly I, as long as if you're in the crowd it doesn't matter yeah. I don't care if you hate me or not. Yeah. What do you
2: what do you hope this year? holds for you, Joel?
10: Do you- um, I, hope I, get I hope I get a vaccination. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I hope this year holds? I don't know, just more fun. I'm having a great time at the moment, so I hope that keeps on going, so <laughs> we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, yeah. All right. And have you got a message for your radio uh, friends? What, Tim and Kay? Tim and Kay. Um, yeah, I'll have um, an oat latte, please, when I get in at quarter past three. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, Thank you. There you go. So the random act of kindness <laughs> yeah, comes back to you. That's what you do for me. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That'd be great. Thanks. All right, great to see you, mate, as always. Lovely to see you. Uh,
2: Thank you, Joel. For r- information about random acts of kindness so uh, acts with an S on the end, right? Random acts of kindness uh, Head to the more <laughs> as, like, as opposed the- to a
1: wood shopping <laughs> day. <laughs>
2: no, I just like <laughs> three, like lots of acts, right? Oh, uh, head to the morning- okay. Thank you, Joel. That's
1: what you would give me a random act. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> Coming up for no, you. the
2: network's done that lots
1: yeah, of
11: times plenty already. Plenty of time
2: <laughs> Well, first Ian met Alan, then they both met Jeremy, and then they all decided to start a family. With the help of donor eggs and a surrogate mum, these doting dads welcomed two children of their own, becoming the first ever throuple to include all three fathers on the birth certificate.
1: Now, Ian is opening up about the triumphs and challenges of their unique family, penning a moving new memoir, Three Dads and a Baby.
2: And Ian, Allen and Jeremy join us live from San Diego this morning. Hi, everyone. Uh, Ian, uh, first we have to go back to the beginning. When did you decide, you want to start a family
0: well you know there's actually uh, the most important moment that happened with that was a wonderful gift from a friend of Jerry's and they offered to give us uh, embryos that they had for their family that um, they could not use themselves but they thought they could trust us to raise their kids which was a great honor
1: okay Alan it wasn't all smooth sailing but plenty of hurdles along the way as we understand talk us through the process
11: um i think the main hurdles were uh just creating the family itself the the donated embryos that we got actually didn't end up um, taking so we had to find an egg donor find a surrogate um and then the uh, big challenge for us was really the legal challenges so um with surrogacy you have to have a parentage order from the court declaring who are going to be the legal parents and um you know in the beginning we didn't we weren't sure that we could have all three of us on the birth certificate, so it became a a court process where we uh, argued in court. It was a pretty uh, interesting, tense uh, courtroom scene where at first it seemed like we were not going to be granted that. And uh, we asked to speak in court and sort of pled our viewpoint. And um, the judge ultimately changed her mind and granted us um, legal parentage for our child before she was born.
2: Which was a landmark first. So, Jeremy, I can only imagine what it must mean for the three of you to have that. I mean, it's a, it's a piece of paper, some might argue, but I suspect it's a lot more than a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, it is for sure. You know, um, we understand that we have an unconventional relationship and we, you know, for the most part are content to just fly under the radar and live our lives and we have a really supportive group of friends and family. But when it came to our kids, you know, it was really important because we all have jobs. We all have pensions with our jobs and health insurance and those kind of things. Um, and you know, if, if you're not listed as your child's legal parents, then they're not able to receive those benefits. Uh, if our child, God forbid, was to end up in the hospital, one of the parents might not be able to go visit them. So mm. once we had, kids, it became really important to, um, you know, be recognized as the family that we are. And thankfully, we live in California, which um, is a is a state that you know, after some, some teeth pulling and fighting uh, actually did then allow us to do that. So it was amazing.
1: Okay, so Ellen, what about all the names? How does that work? Um, do you all go by dad or the, what's happening in the house?
11: Um, I think a lot of parents have different ideas of what their kids are gonna call them. They kind of work themselves out. But I will say right now, our daughter is three and our son is one and a half. So we solidly go by I'm Dada. Uh, Ian is Papa. And daddy is Jeremy. Jeremy is daddy.
2: Yeah, beautiful. Uh, There are some critics out there because, as you say, this isn't a conventional setup. And naturally, you are super protective about your kids' privacy. So, you know, this is going to be an issue ongoing. They're only little now, and social media—you know, their peers aren't on social media. What, What are the plans for privacy moving forward with the children?
0: Uh, we just made a decision we weren't going to use any pictures older than the one that you're seeing, um, you know, so that the kids' privacy is protected. Uh, and I'll say regarding pushback, we're very lucky to live with a circle of friends and coworkers who've been universally supportive, and that, that has been just fantastic. Um, so my heart really goes out to people who might be growing up their kids in a community that's less welcoming. We've been very lucky.
1: Okay, now, Ian, this is our last question we have time for. I just quickly wanted to say, stay classy, San Diego, because I know Kylie's (laughs) going to try and say it at the end. I just wanted to get (laughs) in early. Ian, you've now written a memoir about your story called Three Dads and a Baby. What made you want to share this with the world? Why was that important to you?
0: Yeah, two big reasons. One, uh, we wanted everyone to know that love makes a family, and families may look different, but if you care about your kids and you're doing everything you can to give them the best possible childhood, that's what matters. And number two was we wanted people who are in non-traditional families to know that there could be more legal protections available to them and help keep this process moving so that more parents would have the kind of protections we are enjoying.
2: Okay, that's so well said. Um, it's been an absolute delight talking to all three of you this morning. Congratulations on the book.
0: Thank you so Thank much. You very it's been much. a delight. Thank uh, you.
2: And I love the names Piper and, uh, Piper and Parker. Gorgeous names too. I'm
1: just adding that bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay classy, honey. OK, thanks, guys. All thanks. the details about Ian Jenkins' upcoming book, Three Dads and a Baby Adventures in Modern Parenting. All those details will be over on our website for you.
2: Well, naming children is hard, and they've had, they've had one more opinion in the mix, haven't they?
1: Yeah. I wonder how they decide who st- sits on the couch and does nothing. Because when my kids were growing up, Sylvie did everything I just sat on the couch and did nothing. Mm, how do they decide?
2: Yes. They, um, I still do that now. <laughs>
1: Now, when we think of witches, Stop We it. instantly think cauldrons and broomsticks and hook noses and cackles. But that's the, <laughs> but that's the stuff of fairy tale folklore and morning TV shows.
2: <laughs> and your real life, real life witch and former '90s music star Fiona Horn has been ditching the spooky stereotypes and creating guides on practical magic for more than two decades. Now she's showing teenagers how to harness their inner power. Fiona Horn joins us from our Perth studio this morning. Hi. Last time we spoke, you were living in the Caribbean. Uh, Due to COVID now, you are back home in Australia, in WA. How's the change been?
12: It's been amazing. I I just... Australia is such an incredible country, and I guess in WA we're very privileged to experience... um, you know a lot of freedoms over here uh, through these times of lockdowns and changes but yeah I I lost my job flying airplanes last year and it I did a lot of soul-searching and I relocated to uh, to Australia, specifically Western Australia, and I love it over here. I feel very grateful.
1: Well, will you go back to flying? Is that a, That's a passion of yours. Probably
12: not. You know, it's funny, I never thought I'd say this, Larry, but I think I'm back on the broomstick with a guitar in my hand <laughs> nonetheless. I'm doing music with my partner, Dave, and we, we've got, you know, a great new rock band called Sea Witch. I mean, there's so much stuff going on over here that I just... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm accepting that I'm meant to be here and I may not get back in a plane for a while, but I'm certainly enjoying the broomstick again and connecting with people, <laughs> yeah. writing books about witchcraft and yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah. So, you, yeah. you and the
2: rest of the aviation industry, it's, it's amazing, Yeah, it's, isn't it's, it's it? changed. Yeah.
12: I mean, it's, it's changed so much. I don't know how I'll get back into it, but we'll see. Well, the universe always has a surprise up its sleeve for me, it seems. We're sure. well, lucky you
2: have this fallback uh, career as, as a witch. You've updated one of your more popular books from the year 2000. It's called Teen Magic. I mean, how do you, give it, how do you go about giving a manifesto to a, a more modern spin?
12: Well, you know, it's um, back then when this book first kind of was released for teenagers, there was no social media. There was, I mean, no no TikTok, no Instagram, no Facebook. We're barely smartphones. So the life of the teen has changed a lot in the sense of it's a digital age for sure. But I think the basic um, needs of teens are the same, to belong, to have a sense of... um, you know positive individuality to feel that they have a creative role in their lives um you know we live in extraordinary times so in rewriting teen magic i mean i basically rewrote the entire book it's a brand new book teen magic witchcraft for a new generation and it's really addressing the questions teens are asking now about their lives in these times of environmental challenge i mean now modern witches honor nature is sacred so Teen witches want to tread lightly on the earth, they want to uh, do spells and rituals to heal and help themselves and then offer that as a service to others. I think, I think modern witchcraft is a very healthy spiritual path for young teens to explore.
1: What an interesting concept. Now the book covers a lot of areas including pets or as they're referred to in the magic world familiars. Right? Mm. You say there's a way we can harness their magical ability as well. Have I got that right?
12: yeah well the book the book has a section in it about familiars and how to tell whether your significant animal other is actually a pet or a familiar and some of the signs are um, does your pet come to you in dreams and give you messages does when you're say doing a little ritual you might light a candle and burn some incense and be doing a you know a positive little bit of moon magic or something on the full moon does your pet come to your sacred space and sit with you do you feel a deep um, you know, a, d- a deep connection with, with your significant okay. animal. And in that case, it's a familiar, your magical partner.
2: Okay, if there's just one take home message from this updated version of the book, uh, what is it?
12: Could- I would say, um, I think one of the biggest things is social media these days and online bullying and self-identity. And so there's the whole section in the book about how to make your social media practices healthy and even magical. And um, that's, I think, a really important message for young teens. And I also want to offer that the book is not just for young people, but for the older person, the, the young at heart, and also the parents of teenagers who are interested in modern witchcraft and they're wondering what is all this magic about so the book is for them to to help um, help them understand that it's actually something very positive for Mm. their their young person
1: well good to have you back home and good to have you back on the broom Fiona thank you
12: (laughs) thanks thanks so much Fiona's book teen magic witchcraft for a new
2: generation is out now
1: Wonder years favorite Paul Pfeiffer aka Josh Saviano joins us live from New York good morning welcome to the show Good morning to you guys. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. Thirty-three years has passed, and when we see those little clips, we everyone in the studio just has a big smile on their face. What about you when you look at those clips?
13: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like seeing your own your your old home home movies, but uh, you know, broadcast across millions. Um, I, every time I see the show, hear the the Joe Cocker version of the song, it always brings back uh, a wonderful
2: memory. You so beautifully captured what was the magic of the show. And you had this on your Instagram recently saying it not only changed your life, but taught you so many lessons and discover your own wonder years. Can can you explain that for us?
13: Yeah, I mean, I think that in today's day and age, everyone is looking, um, you know, nostalgia is a big theme. Um, And one of the things that I do now in my new business is sort of taking a look at what that means and, and, and how do you use the themes that you use when you grow up to um, move forward in your life and to, and to instead of living in the past, to sort of figure out what that meant to you and how do you apply those themes and those life lessons um, in your, you know, moving forward in your life. Um, especially because like a show like The Wonder Years, the beauty of the show was it, it, it was in the past and it, it was sort of taking a look back at your childhood uh, which we all love to do. and We look back fondly. Um, but you know, the concept of going back to your childhood, y- you can't go back, right? You can't go mm. back to your childhood, no matter how hard you try, no matter how badly you want to. And so instead of going back, uh, it's take the lessons that you've learned and then apply them going forward. And you've got double the lessons
1: because you went back as a child on the show. And now you're looking back as a child <laughs> on the show, playing a child on the show, going back again. Uh. Like the yeah, Matrix, and that was right? part of
13: the allure. Yeah. I think mean, that was part of the allure of the show. It appealed to so many different generations because you were going back a full generation yeah. and then you were looking at three different generations, right? You're looking at the kids who were then adults when it was airing. You were looking at the adults who were grandparents when it was airing. And then you're looking <laughs> at the current year's kids uh, who can relate to being a kid in any era. And that just seems to have followed us over the generations. And that's what's really amazing to me, 33 years later, is is when people come up to me and tell me that their children are watching the show, which means it's going on for yet another generation, and the cycle starts all over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as me watching it with my family, and I'm now seeing it from the eyes of the parents. Like I relate now to the Jack character more than even my own character. <laughs>
2: well, and what does your family think of it?
13: Oh, I think it's you know I think they love it. Uh, you know, my daughter is is now 13, and I think that uh, she's heard all these stories, and we've watched it together, and I think she. She loves watching it, but she doesn't love watching it with me because I always say, you know, what happened in that scene? And now, so now she says, Dad, can we watch this, but without your commentary?
1: <laughs> yeah, you're still in touch with your co-stars, Fred Savage, wonderful Fred Savage and Danica McKellar. Uh, how strong is your bond with those two these days?
13: I mean, I think the, the question is how strong, how strong is the bond with you and your childhood best friend? Uh, you know, we're, we're family. We're... Um, We've known each other for a very long time. We've gone through, you know, six or seven years of adolescence together in a very uh, unique setting. Yeah. Um, and so even if we don't see each other or speak, you know, in a, on a regular basis, when we do, it is just like, like old times. Um, you know, I, I've spoken to Fred recently, I just, had a text exchange with Danica. Whenever we're in town with each other, we love seeing each other and hanging out.
2: Yeah. We saw those photos of you guys at ice hockey or somewhere. Super fans must go nuts if they see the two of you together. Do they?
13: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun It's fun when they see one of us, but when they see two of us, it, it's exponential. And then when they see all three of us, it's, uh, you know, like we, we have proverbially broken the Internet a couple times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, in these crazy times of pandemic, pandemic has been crazy, all the lockdowns and everything. We're all searching for hope and purpose amongst the uncertainty. What is it about nostal- nostalgia that we're all clinging to, do you reckon? I-,
13: I think in today's day and age where nothing is stable, I think that looking back at any time, um, that's, a, that's truth. It's fact. It happened it's you you know it um it may be distorted truth because we all look back with a kind of a a happy filter but it's it's something that is true and authentic and it's you and i think that we don't have a whole lot of that these days um and we're trying to to clutch onto things that give us some level of stability and um happy memories are, are are there for us for that purpose um and i think that in in today's day it makes a lot of sense to look back with wonder um, and find those things that made us happy and to sort of maybe apply those going forward to help us get out of this, um, this crazy time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Josh, um, looking through, you, I think you only have one other screen acting credit on your IMDb page. Uh, you took a leaf out of your character's book and you studied law. Was that a conscious decision to, to step away from the cameras?
13: Yeah, I mean, I had been acting since I was five. Uh, I'd done a whole series of commercials, movies, TV stuff. I uh, did a Broadway show as well. Um, the, the Wonder Years was, the, was my biggest uh, credit for sure. But the show ended after my junior year of high school. And, um, you know, the, the, to me, there was a big distinction between being a creative and being an actor or performer, and then the industry and the business of, of entertainment. And the reality is, as a 17-year-old, I was less interested in the business side and more interested in the performing side. And unfortunately, that doesn't always mesh. Um, And so I did. I took a very conscious step back from the industry. um, And I wanted to find something that was a little bit more stable, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more, as I used to call it, a meritocracy. Um, and I did. Yeah. I, I found law to be a really interesting puzzle okay. and a really interesting um, way of dealing with, with uh, uh, applying all of the things that I love.
1: Josh, we got to ask this question before we let you go. A Wonder Years reboot is in the works. Fred Savage uh, set to direct the pilot. How far away are those glasses of yours, if required? Uh,
13: <laughs> yeah, no. It's an entirely different format, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why it was able to work. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, one of the things that Fred and I have talked a lot about is you can't you can't redo the wonder years you can't take a look years later for a reason because same that I mentioned right you can't you can't relive your childhood etc but this is a, a whole new premise it's uh, it's looking back at an entirely different family it's a black family in Montgomery Alabama in 1968 so there's no Arnold's, oh, okay. no Pfeiffer's okay. no Coopers um and it, it is uh you know Fred and I've had lots. Of Discussions around this,
1: okay. um, and so
13: no, I don't think the glasses are coming out of retirement anytime <laughs> soon. But I'm really interested to see how they do the same thing right, um, and apply them in today's in today's culture. Right stuff.
2: Okay, uh, it's been an absolute uh, delight speaking to you this this morning. Uh, such a walk down memory lane. We loved it. Thank you so much, Josh.
13: Thank you, my pleasure. Have a great rest of your guys' day.
1: Planning for your next trip.
2: COVID has not been kind to the economy. Tourism, hospitality, small business, you name it, uh, they've all been hit so hard. One exception, video gaming. This week, uh, the week that social distancing rules were announced, sales of consoles leaped by a staggering 285%. Recent data from YouGov found more than two in five Australian gamers are playing more in a COVID world.
1: But we're also seeing a rise in passive participation. Figures by Google show that last year 100 billion hours, 100 billion hours, were spent watching gaming content on YouTube. So when it comes to our little ones, what are the long-term effects of being glued to games, and how can parents set healthy
2: boundaries? We welcome Dr. Joanne, Orlando family digital expert. Hi, nice to see you.
3: Um,
2: The scientists say that children's brains through adolescence are considered plastic, malleable. Explain what that means and how video gaming affects their their short and long-term development.
8: Yeah, so if you think of how food affects our body, so healthy food affects it in a good way, junk food affects it in a different kind of way, well, it's the same with how our brain develops. So for children, it's about what they do, that affects their brain. So good activities stimulate new neural pathways, which is good, the more you have, the better, you know, the better Mm -hmm. you can learn and things. Um, Bad activities, which are very passive or unstimulating or that are highly stressful, they have a different effect on the brain. So in terms of gaming, you wanna choose games that actually have a good effect on the brain. And there are a lot out there, You know, not all games are the same. So you want to choose games that I call uh, hard fun. So they're a bit of fun for the children, but they make their brain work hard, like Mm. puzzle games or strategy games or problem solving games. You want to go for that kind of content. Mm. On the other hand, you want to minimize or reduce the kinds of passive games that children might play, where they're just sitting there and watching, or they're so easy, they can do them all really easily or they're causing them stress so it might be stress in the chat of other players or it might be stressful content that they're just not ready mm. for. Mm.
1: I'm, I'm bad at this reading thing but did I make a mistake? or did I get 100 billion hours? No. Spe- is that right?
8: It is right. It's incredible isn't it? Yeah. So that means children are lining up in front of their screen and going online and watching other people play video games. That's right.
1: So explain to us oldies what that's about because that's not sitting there having a go that's actually sitting there with your feet up watching someone else even paying someone else to Watch them.
8: That's right. And it sounds boring, doesn't it? I, I think for most people they say, why would they do that? Well, for, for when you talk to children they say it's kind of like going to watch you know, a soccer game or a footy game. You watch the stars, you watch how skilled they are, you learn a bit if you're playing yourself and it's entertaining. Um, and then also children, you know, amateurs are trying to, to make their way up into this kind of gaming content world as well so they turn their camera on and others can come and watch them play a game. So it's very much like watching sport, but you know what the children tell me is that they say, you know, old people watch sport on TV, young people watch gaming content. And by young, uh, they say old people, you know, watch sport on TV, and by old, they mean, like, 30. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As parents, should parents be hopping on these games and having a
2: go themselves so they know what on earth we're talking about? Yeah,
8: yeah. It's really hard to parent when you don't know what you're talking about. And your children see right through you, don't they? Mm -hmm. So if you don't know much about games, you don't know what games your children are playing, then it's really hard to set the right kinds of rules at home about it. So even if it's boring, you know, play a game every now and then or sit with your child every now and then and just get a better understanding of what this gaming situation is for Mm. your child, and then you can make much better decisions around that.
1: Uh, Any restaurant, any uh, form of public transport, anywhere you go, you see kids, like little kids, on the machines already starting to play. What is age appropriate? Uh, What's an appropriate age, I suppose, for kids to start?
8: It's tough, there's no actual guidelines that say at this age a child can start gaming, but they often start very young. before they start school, so if a child is less than five, um, we can take from the other kind of guidelines around children and technology. And one is make sure it's good quality game, you know, hard mm. fun kind of game. Um, but also that you're with the child playing with them. We don't want you know children being babysat by any kind of device. Yeah. Um, once kids get to school, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them to play games, particularly boys, still boys um so thinking about that idea of making sure that the game is appropriate for their age so just like movies have classifications games do as well so a five-year-old shouldn't be playing an r-rated game yeah absolutely we've got some red flags here for parents Mm.
2: um we'll just run them through loss of control priority prioritise playing and
8: ignoring other problems. They're the red flags that parents need to look out for, right? That's right, and they will last for 12 months. So not just a, a week or two in the school holidays. A child seems to be a bit obsessed, but you know, really obsessed about game. Other things that are falling down around them and they still want to game more and more.
1: Okay, addictive gaming habits can persist also into adulthood, right? Oh, let's have a, a set, so we need some boundaries. We need to get some boundaries down quickly. Let's have a look at this, recognising passive playing, that's important, and reduce alone time.
8: That's right, so a lot of children have got into the habit during COVID of just hanging on their device, by themselves, doing their own thing. So sometimes alone on their device, sometimes playing with their mates online maybe, but sometimes playing with their little brother as well. So mixing up who they're playing with as well.
1: It's It would be hard to imagine sitting down and watching someone else do, play a video game, is it? Yeah. I, like can't, that time, I can't
2: fathom it. <laughs> no, that
1: time I came and watched you at the uh, Northern Rivers Lawn Bowls tournament, mm. like that's
4: entertainment.
2: <laughs> yes. Similar. Yeah. similar, similar for kids. Similar.
4: Yeah.
2: Also, there's that phenomenon now where you used to be kids, but now those kids are growing up and they're still sort of gaming into their 30s and 40s. That's right, it's and gaming addiction. At, at, the, at the expense of spending time with their own kids.
8: That's right, and costing them a lot of money as well in the in-app mm. purchases that they spend. So mm. it's a big, a big problem for adults that we don't often hear about. Mm. Yeah. Which is
1: why we're soon launching the morning show video game. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun.
2: It was 2006 when Sandy Tom hit the top spot on the Aussie charts with this unforgettable song.
4: Oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers
2: in my hair. I wish there was a punk rocker certified double platinum here and reached number one in the UK, Scotland and Ireland as well.
1: That was 15 years ago and today the track has notched up 40 million streams on Spotify. So as the song goes, it seems Sandy's wish to become a punk rocker has come true, absolutely. Sandy Tom joins us now live from LA. Welcome to the morning show.
4: Good morning, guys.
1: Hey, congratulations! Forty million Spotify streams. How does that make you feel? That's fantastic news.
4: That, that's amazing, actually. I didn't. I didn't even know it had that many streams. Um, but no, it's amazing. The song, you know, fifteen years, and it just keeps it keeps gaining popularity and more people discover it and yeah it's 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 really just incredible yeah uh,
2: for an artist who started performing in her basement and streaming it on MySpace you were among the first internet singers to explode to global fame i mean how did you handle that crazy ride and it's remarkable to see where where people are now who start out on the internet
4: yeah honestly it was just the funniest time ever i mean it From the moment it started, you know, it it just, like you say, exploded completely. Um, And it just felt like just one huge big train ride. And of course, I know I made so many trips back to Oz and everybody there just loved the song. You know, I had so much fun there and you guys actually just were the best, honestly. You guys and my, my people back in Scotland were the best. I loved so much coming out to Oz all the time
1: yeah I think on balance we're probably even better than the people back in Scotland, but that's okay. we'll work that out. Uh, your lyrics resonated with millions of people right around the world still do today. what take yeah. us back to where the song started? what inspired you to write the song
4: you know it was i was in I was living in this like little bed sit in South London, and it was like fairly depressing, you know so it was me up and coming singer songwriter broke um and I had my one, my phone, and at the time it was one of those flip phones, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I lost it, or it was stolen or something. And it just hit me so hard because it was my lifeline, you know, my family, my friends. And I looked around everywhere for a payphone that could work, and they were all destroyed. And it was like, what's going on, you know? So I started writing these lyrics about, you know, back in the day when things were more simple. And plus, at that time, it was like the digital revolution was taking place, you know? So it was a really big change. Um, And yeah, I just I just longed for that simplistic life again that's sort of full of these innocent things, you know And I'm sure that resonates as well just now, you know, that's the thing I think that whole idea of just going back to a more simpler way of life is sort of always going to resonate with people Um, And yeah, I think it just at the time it, it just really spoke to everybody
2: Well, we're just watching the video then you sing in time as the video speeds up and slows down I mean, yeah, take us back to that. How was it
4: shooting that? So I have, I had to learn the song phonetically and I would sing it, you know, in slow motion or I would sing it sped up. So when you put it back in real time, it, it sounded right, but I had to learn, I had to practice it so and so many times to learn it, how it would actually sound during the video and the guy who was filming it, you know, cause it's all shot in one take. He was wearing a steady cam, holding the camera like this, and he was walking backwards the whole time as well. Yeah. So there were so many things in this song, you know, that if some small little thing went wrong, the video would just, would have to go back to the start. So it was such an interesting song to, that the video was really interesting to make. And actually at the end, the guy who streaks, who um, gets his bomb out, uh, he's the, the video director. So it was, yeah, it was just all very, it was a really, <laughs> cool, really cool video to make.
1: Well, until we had another look at that video, the uh, guy ice skating in Amsterdam was the weirdest thing we've seen on the show today, but that's now that's now our favourite. Hey, we know you're a mum, uh, your son Logan, and you're moving back to the US, right? So w- when can yes. we expect some more music from you?
4: So I'm, my son is almost five now, um, and when I had my son, I took a, a really long break, you know, because I wanted to just be mom and just give him all my time and all this. So he's almost five now, so he's kind of a bit older. So I just started working on album number seven. Um, Yeah, it's crazy, seven albums since the first one. Um, And I'm also doing some really cool collaborations in the UK with, actually there's a dance version of punk rock coming out this year, like a 15 year anniversary version. So yeah, Logan's gonna come back back out to LA and mom start working again and it's all very exciting. You are he, a bu-
2: he, you're a busy woman. He, he,
4: he, <laughs> well, yeah, and maybe busy. in
2: fifteen years you can do a duet with Logan. He looks like he might mm-hmm. have some talent there on the
4: keyboard. He does, honestly. He's so um he loves to dance and sing. He can really sing very well. He's got yeah. a great ear great. and he loves playing piano and guitar and everything. So yeah, I think he's he's gonna be going to be a talented little boy great
1: stuff all right sandy lovely to catch up with you today and i think we all yearn for that to go back to a simpler time so those lyrics do mean a lot to a lot of people around the world thanks for joining us
4: thanks so much for having me guys
1: well, she's beauty, she's grace, she's elegance, she's taste. Of course, we're talking about beauty pageants. I didn't, I didn't, know, whether to, I didn't know whether to read it like uh, I think it's creepy. Like, like,
2: like, like it's a song. Yeah, I felt it? a bit yeah. creepy. Sorry. For 69 years, the Miss Universe competition has showcased some of the most beautiful and inspiring women from all around the world. Miss Universe Australia, Maria Tatil joins us live it's so nice to see you. So nice to be here with you guys. Um first things so how's the COVID uh the competition looking because of COVID this year? How how's it being impacted?
14: It's it's been a little bit uncertain. Mm. I think most things, you know, in a COVID world we kind of have to be adaptable. So looking like it'll go ahead in April and May, hopefully in person, but we're just gonna have to wait and see. It's set down for America, right? A- apparently, that's yeah. the rumour. So okay. yeah. would you be
1: really upset, like if it wasn't if it didn't happen?
14: I think I'd be pretty devastated to not have yeah. the experience, but having done the national pageant virtually, I think I'd be happy to do it at all. I'd just be grateful. Yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, fingers crossed it gets to go ahead in some form or another. Yeah. So despite being Crown Miss Universe Australia, yeah. which happened last year, and then you go on to you know, represent yeah. us internationally, you did face some disturbing comments yeah. online like, And this is a quote. You're not Australian enough to hold the title. This is a really important conversation to have. Take us through the messages you've received.
14: Yeah, I think it was very interesting to hear this because born and raised in Australia, but even if that wasn't the case, you know, what is it to be Australian? And I'd heard that I didn't look Australian enough to represent our country, and I challenged people's perceptions of what they'd expect. But then I'd also heard, um, you know, when I talked about it with former colleagues and, and spoken about it with people, with last year's winner being Indian-Australian as well, I'd heard comments like, do you think it, it hurts your chances that you're Indian because we've already had one? And that's the kind of language that it can be a little bit confronting and jarring.
1: You wrote this incredible piece for Mamma Mia titled, You're so beautiful for an Indian. Mm. That was the title of it. Right? <laughs> how hard is it to stand up and, and, and speak honestly about your experience and then, and then how you actually really, really feel?
14: I think it is a little bit difficult because you internalize a lot of this racism and and these, these words. So in order to be able to stand up and educate from a place of compassion and understanding where you're not alienating or angering people, you do need to do a little bit of work to process. And I think I spent a great part of my 20s really struggling with that self-rejection that I experienced all in my teens. But now I think I'm in a place where I can step back, evaluate, and then speak hopefully for unity instead of, you know, furthering segregation or division in what I say.
2: But for as many haters, I also imagine that you get a lot of support and that you represent so many because we are so multicultural as a society so i imagine you do get lots of support as well
14: i do and i think it's important to acknowledge as well in terms of haters when you hear these comments around maybe you don't look australian enough or things like that Mm. i think a a racialized sense of nationhood. It's not necessarily rooted in hatred. And I think people might just be operating out of a place of, well, these are Anglo-Celtic perceptions I have of what it is to be Australian, but they are unconsciously doing it. Mm. So it's not always rooted in hatred. It's just a lack of understanding and awareness. So I just take it all in my stride and I'm Grateful because I do have a lot of support. Yeah. One yeah. of the
1: main things that kept me out of beauty pageants was okay. my height.
14: Yes. Uh, this yes. has also
1: been one of the mm. main one of the main things. One yes. of the many. Things. Is, mm.
14: you're,
1: uh, <laughs> it's a long list, but the height is like a main. <laughs> that was thing. the main
14: thing for you. Uh, yeah. tradi-
1: you you are five foot three in yes, the old scale, right? What's that uh-huh. in centimeters? Uh, oh,
14: 160 centimeters. So yeah. uh,
1: that would be qu- considered quite short for a model. Yeah. Has that been a challenge for you?
14: It has been. It, it I I didn't think I could enter the modelling or the Miss Universe because of my height and then upon being selected at Miss Universe Australia it was interesting that there is a lot of international talk about my height too but the way that I approach it is it's not something I'm going to shy away from because if I allow something as superficial as you know height or a physical attribute to dictate how empowered empowered I can be or how impactful I could be as a Miss Universe and what's the message I'm sending to young girls and boys who think, well, my worth is dictated by things beyond my control. That's not what I believe. And that's why I think it's important to still do it.
2: Oh, wow. That's so well said. You've started a series on Instagram called Mind With Me. Yes. So tell us what that's all about.
14: Yeah. Well, Mind With Me, it was an Instagram live series I created in lockdown because everybody was spending a lot of time online. And I noticed that it was a very challenging social context with a lot of conversations around race, sexism and conversations felt polarizing at times. And I think for me personally, if we're going to pursue progress, you need to have spaces where you can speak openly and you can appreciate and dissect different perspectives. So I started having these conversations once a week on live on really topical, relevant you know, things that were going on and people just started joining you know, weekly, globally, making friendships and it was a great space to drive those conversations.
1: You are very, very good at this
14: good oh, to talk
2: to you this morning. Th- Thanks yes, for coming thank you. in. <laughs> it <just> was great. We <laughs> wish you, thank we you. Wish you yeah. all the very
14: best. <laughs> uh, you. you
2: are a great representative for, yeah.
3: for Australia.
14: Thank you. And in,
2: no matter what form the Miss Universe pageant takes this year, we wish you all the best.
14: Thank you so much. We Larry, thought, you should definitely give it well, another try. Well, now that height is no pack. issue. <laughs> no, you can do it too. I, I can do you it. it. You can do it too. It's my <laughs> <it's> it.
1: self-belief <laughs> and world peace. I can do it. So good to see you. Thank you, Marie.
2: Marie you. our representative in the Miss Universe pageant this year. Well the
1: fabulous Shana Burgess is our very own dancing diva from Down Under and after dominating the dance floor at home, for the past 13 years she's been making us prouder over in the US, helping celebrities strut their stuff.
2: Shana's impressive moves on Dancing with the Stars earned her the Ball Trophy in 2018 and now she's back in LA where she calls Hollywood home. And Shana Burgess joins us live. So great to see you Shana. So great to see you guys too. Thank you for having me. This is so awesome. How's the other side of the world faring at the moment? You've got some company there, I see.
15: Yes, I have a, a little French bulldog by the name of Pascal keeping me company. He's a real snuggle bug, this <laughs> one. Uh, but the other side of the world is, it's the other side of the world. It's been a little crazy at times the last few weeks, but it's definitely been exciting. and. Um, you know, like everyone, we're just managing this new way of doing things and the new way of moving forward. It's it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, we've been watching your Instagram very, very closely lately, and you and, you and your partner uh, B, or better known as Brian Austin Green. So you guys are so cute together. But we hear your first date was uh, nearly a disaster. Yet.
15: I mean, well, yeah. I basically turned up 24 hours too early. It was I. I'm notoriously five minutes late to everything, by the way. So the fact that I was 24 hours <laughs> early for our first date is actually hilarious. Um, but it gave us good banter, and I, I he made me feel very comfortable about it. We had a good laugh, he's got that real, he's got a fun sarcasm to him that I think Aussies have, and we really connected with that, especially making fun of me at the time. Um, and then we finally did have coffee the next day, and um, we lost time. You know, we talked for like four and a half hours, and we nearly, miss the things that we needed to get to i was in season for dancing with the stars he was getting ready to shoot last dancer uh he had meetings i had a COVID test i had to get to and we yeah we lost time and we're, we're both then rushing to get out the door but also couldn't wait to see each other again and and you know COVID makes dating different we took our time with it we took it slow in getting to know each other and there was just a lot of coffees and breakfasts until mm-hmm. Uh, we finally kissed, and then there were fireworks, and then. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa we don't want to know what is... happens next. Hang on. up.
2: Well, i was it up. quite enjoying the no, story. There's never going to be in
9: there Don't up you today. go
1: there, girlfriend. We got the picture <laughs> with the kissing and the coffee and the that. Hey, so at the end of last year, you competed on your thirteenth season of the U.S. version of Dancing with the Stars. I did hey, give us the goss. Carol Baskin. Everyone, the whole world was talking about <laughs> Carol Baskin. What's she really like backstage? They...
4: Yeah.
15: I mean. She is she's actually a lovely human and she's got a really cool, sweet personality um, and her dancing was was entertaining. I thought Pasha did a fantastic job with her and getting her to move and giving a great choreography. But I mean, getting to meet her was surreal because it felt like only a few months ago, I was obsessed with watching the Tiger King documentaries and her on it. And then there she was in all of her animal print glory on the floor of Dancing with the Stars. It was really very cool. And I think we had millions tune in just to see her do a dance. I think her samba might have been my (laughs) favourite. Yeah, I love how
2: into it she was. Uh, Shana, Dancing with the Stars, All Stars, is coming to seven this year. So coming away favourite Ada Nicodemu uh, is just one who's coming back. What advice do you have for the returning celebrities?
15: Oh my gosh, Uh, go in with, this is a chance that you never thought you were going to have, where you could go in and do this all over again and just enjoy every single bit of the experience. It is so cool that Seven is doing this and giving fans an all-star season. I love that so much. Uh, And the name of the game is have fun. You know, it is learning dance and it is about getting better and it is about improving, but it's also about showing people that dance is fun. Uh, And so I certainly cannot wait to watch everyone that's going to be on it. Uh, And I think it is just so freaking cool that Seven's doing that.
1: Well, Shana, from two professional dancers to another fellow professional dancer, we do appreciate your time (laughs) this morning. Great to talk to you. You look happy. Good stuff. I am. I'm very
15: happy. Uh-huh. You guys look amazing too. I can't
2: wait to come home soon.
15: Thank you. Um, we will
1: leave that in that weekend clip, the bit where you say we look amazing too. Thank
2: you. We'll have to, ch- <laughs> we'll have to check in with you all the time, we? Let's just I call. We'll, yeah, I think we'll just like Please. make a, like, a monthly catch-up or something. Yeah. I think we must. I think we simply must. Yeah. yeah.
15: And
1: if we can't do. get you on the TV, we'll just slide into your DMs. It yes. sounds creepy, but we will.
10: Yeah, cool. hey, great to talk we'll to
1: you. Go and help build that nice chicken coop to- with Brian. Okay, see you soon. Bye, <laughs> all right, now, Bye, guys. See ya.
2: Uh, hello. Good. Thanks. Is cemented. I don't really say.
1: <laughs> you, know, you don't really do that.
2: Uh, right. It's cemented in Australian pop culture history, all thanks to one age-defying Greek goddess, she's, Effie.
1: She's incredible. After one of the toughest years of her life last year, she said that 2020 brought out the good, the bad, and the ugly in all of us, uh, but were some parts uglier than others. Hello, Effie.
16: Good thanks for asking me, even well, no, you didn't.
1: What did you think of Kylie's uh, little interpretation? <laughs> I
16: loved it, actually. You know, everywhere I go, people say, hello, good thanks. And it gives me a lot of joy.
1: A lot of joy. You've said that last year brought out the good, the bad, and the ugly in all of us. Yes, you did. Uh, let, let's, start with, let's start with the good. We'll get through them all.
16: Well, OK. Um, you know, can I be completely honest? Please. No filter, no mask. Uh, I didn't have to see my mother-in-law. Big uh-huh. Big bonus. <laughs> you know her drunken bit of botox face i uh, was justified you know she said that she had to do the right thing as you do you know because of her age she was vulnerable to COVID. not that anyone can tell how old she is she's had that many facelifts but uh not seeing her was a big plus plus. and even you know not seeing my mother was was not as bad as um as you would think even though the street hurt her every time she
2: called <laughs> okay, that was the good things. What about the bad things for Effie and her family? Surely nothing to do with with husband, uh, Dr. Shane.
16: No, look, you know, look, it was the cash flow was bad. You know, I'm accustomed to a tsunami of flow uh, when it comes to cash, and not having access to that. You know, For me, it's everything. I mean, I love money. I love my husband, um, but I really love money. Um, and JobKeeper was good. I'm not going to argue. You know, I mean, I took it and everything else. I was worried at one point that my accountants, because I was calling them every day, because, you know, there was new grants and, you know, JobSeeker, JobKeeper, and, you know, small business grants. So, you know, I was just hassling them for everything. Well, yes. Everything I could get my hands on. Absolutely. Like,
2: cash is king.
16: Of like, course. Like,
1: yes. You know? Now, we heard you almost, almost, decided to write a novel.
16: Yes I did. Uh, As you would, you know, I'm no doubt you do these segments, you know, a couple of times a week about the COVID kilos. And you know in the past I've been known for, you know, I'm a goddess.
14: You know, you the visual says
16: it all. But, you know, I, I hit that pantry like it was nobody's business. Seriously, I thought I was going to get, you know, put in for, I was going to get an AVO, uh, the, uh, you know, out because I was, you know, so abusive towards my pantry, slamming those doors, as, as you yes. know a, as you would imagine. I, and so I was at one point, you know, getting a bit chunkier than I am usually. And I thought, you know, maybe I should write a, a memoir, like a COVID memoir mm. called Eat, Pray, Eat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, oh you know, I'm back <laughs> like, just amazing, right? Exactly What about the ugly? Uh, what was just too gross for Effie in this last year?
16: Look, did I give up? Yes Not only was my appetite not in lockdown But, but <laughs> I, you know, I felt like my, um, you know, just the care factor I dropped the vanity up myself ball, you know <laughs> What? The v- vanity mm. up myself ball. I dropped the ball. Oh, yeah, my yeah, vanity. the vanity up yourself ball. Yes, you dropped right. Yes, I didn't go to a ball. A ball. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, hair management was a big deal because, you know, I don't like to deal with my own stuff. I like to, you know, outsource hair removal. Mm. And so you know, I couldn't do that, could I? What's well, a big know. job? It is a big mm. job. You know, uh, I'm I'm not only buffy in one department. Our <laughs> shrieks <should I say. laughs> uh, were quite pursued. Pursued. Mm. So there was a lot of candlelit evenings, which is a problem in itself. You know, <laughs> singeing, etc. But nevertheless, you know, I'm, I did some saving on some electricity. Look, you know, it was a good test, wasn't it, for all of us? And I'm not alone. You know, last year was tough for all of us. Yeah. But I know now that Dr. Shane Bradley Cooper, my husband, (laughs) surgeon, plastic surgeon, might I say he was never busier on consults. I don't know what happened last year. Everyone was trying to get plastic surgery the minute they could. You know, so I wasn't the only one that let myself go. Right, yes. Um, but, you know, we got closer. I know he loves me for the right reasons, and that's always important. It's a yeah. nice test, Well, you're it?
1: lovable. You're adorable. Oh. How could he not love that? You are also homeschooling your daughter, right? As a tertiary graduate, you're one of the smartest people we've had on this couch. Well, you would have found that would have been a walk in the park for you.
16: You know, I've got to say, I had a, a, a child prior to, to meeting my husband. Um, it was immaculately conceived, you know, of course. Um, and she's like a primary school age. And, you know, we had to do the homeschooling, didn't we? Which was torture for me, because I'm barely educated myself.
10: (laughs) You
16: know, I I, um, graduated from the Academy of Hairdressing, which is code for... uh, I dropped out at year 10. (laughs) So I I felt like I put her, you know, academic future in my, you know... Uh, you know, uneducated hairdresser hands and there was a lot of guilt that came with that but you, I was pleased to know that her passion for hair is si- similar to mine and she actually did a, she fast tracked her uh, hairdressing apprenticeship and she's now the youngest qualified hairdresser in the sum- southern hemisphere so oh, I was pleased well about done. That,
2: yeah. well done. Now, aside from last year, 2020, we, we dug even further back, going through the archives oh, to no. find a little something from your past Oh FE. my god, what have you got? Yeah.
11: Nothing hits you like a sandboy chip.
2: I hit me. Oh my god! <laughs>
11: look at that.
2: Where have you taken me? All the way back. You're back
1: in the day.
2: Famous for the sandboy. Like, what was it like? Were you rolling in in Sam chips? I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that. And, and they are awesome. Okay. On my show.
16: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they, they just got everyone that was out and about and a bit of a body, you know, to to <laughs> participate in that. And obviously, look at my makeup. Tragic, and my mirror ball earrings. Oh well. <laughs> Great <laughs> look.
1: Great. Now some good news for you because you got some shows coming up. Yes. The wonderful Adelaide Adelaide Fringe. Festival yes. and Sydney Comedy Festival.
16: Time. Yes, I'm um, uh, previewing and, and launching, opening the show at the Adelaide Fringe Festival on the 18th, 19th, and 20th of March. Mm-hmm. So, for all tickets, go to Adelaide Fringe or maryandeffy.com, as well as I'm doing Sydney shows. This is my brand new show called Better Out Than In. And then we're about to <laughs> announce Melbourne and Brisbane shows as well. So stand wow. by, we're adding to the
2: tour as we go. Is that what about the hair again? Better out than in, or what, like, that is that well. <laughs> everything better out than in. <laughs> uh, so lovely to see you, Effie. Having changed to see you guys. a bit. You can catch Effie's new show, Better Out Than In, at the Adelaide Fringe Festival next month. And all those other ticket details will be on themorningshow.com. And don't
1: forget to get your Samboy chips on the way into Effie's shop. Hey <laughs>
2: what Effie! Have, what have happened to Samboy chips? They're around, they I think. They're more
16: still Victorian
1: around. now. Oh, okay. I mm. don't know, but I'm you know, well, not sure. Let's, like keep, like, let's I, keep
2: talking about that. They'll just back their truck up. I could murder us. <laughs> <laughs> <Old> <laughs> yes. chip Thank you, Effie. <laughs>
1: Always fun to have, Effie, and well, yeah, fun and, and scary at the same time.
2: That is our very first podcast done and dusted. Yeah,
1: good stuff. Make sure you subscribe and follow to get notified when new episodes pop up.
2: Yeah, or you can catch us every morning right after sunrise on 7 and 7 Plus. But for now, thank you for listening. Bye. See you.